ready this morning. I am very ready. So I'm going to start by making a comment. I'm going to say something that, tweet it if you want to, but I'm going to say something that I think is obvious to everybody here uh, or anyone listening that might be listening in the future, uh, but it might not be, and that is this. I am not responsible for sending anyone to hell. However, I am responsible for keeping them from it. I am not responsible for sending anyone to hell, but I am responsible for keeping people from it. Why would I start this word with that statement? Because it is important that how you hear what I say may be interpreted and probably will be interpreted by every hearer differently. To one, things that I say today might seem like judgment. And to another, the same word might seem like life. Nothing I say will ever send anyone from hell, but I hope everything I say will keep someone from it. You understand what I'm saying today? However you receive the words that I say today, if you will receive those words with a good and honest heart and without condemnation, the words that you hear will very likely change your perspective in such a way that you can grow in your relationship with God and find a deeper peace, a greater capacity for grace, a higher level of understanding of what it is to actually have relationship with the Father. If you will hear what I say, I believe that these things will occur in your life. So once again, I'm not responsible for sending anyone to hell, but I am responsible to keep people from it. When I preach and when I minister, my hope is always this, and, and I'll just be real, uh, you know, there's probably never a time that I don't preach a message where somebody gets their feelings hurt or they get mad or they think maybe I'm speaking to them specifically or, or, or whatever. It's never that. I never, that's never my intention. Um, only Holy Spirit knows what's going on exactly in the life of every single person. Even if something that I say applies to something specific in you, I'm never preaching specifically to any single person. When I say single, I'm not talking about unmarried. I'm talking about an individual. I'm never speaking specifically to any specific individual. I'm speaking to whoever has ears to hear. And every word that is sent out is for the purpose of equipping us and growing us. And then also, every word that I speak isn't just for those gathered in this room that are under the sound of my voice that I can see with my eye. The words that I speak are even for those gathered in this room that I cannot see with my eye, which would be me. I can't see me, yet the words that I release into this house are released into this house. It, that means everyone within the walls of it. I'm a part of that. So what I preach to you, I'm preaching to you not as a man, and this is where you will misjudge me. I am never preaching to you as a man without flaw. I've never preached a single message from the platform of perfection. I've never preached a single message from the platform of a man without flaw 
or a man without the capacity to err. But in every way that I am capable, I always preach a message in such a way that I with you have the capacity to receive the word so that it can do its sent purpose in me. Does that make sense? It's always sent to do something in us. And if we will receive it to do something in us, it will. So are you ready? So I want you, if you would, this morning to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to begin with verse 1, and I'm going to read and make a statement uh, that for some, um, well, for all of us, this is going to be very, very helpful. Here we go. The book of Acts, it is assumed, was written by Luke. We really don't know that for sure, but it is assumed because of numerous references that the book of Acts was written by Luke. Um, So I'm going to line up with that because I believe that it was myself. Uh, So Luke says in Acts chapter 1, In my first book, Theophilus, I told you about everything that Jesus began to do and teach. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. He's talking about the book of Luke. Again, in my first book, everybody say in my first book. I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Jesus Jesus gave the disciples disciples instructions instructions through, through. depending on which translation you're reading this morning, it might also say by, by or through are, are interchangeable depending on the translation. But gave His disciples instructions Through, say it with me, through, Through. Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now what's interesting about that? Until the time, in fact, Luke says, until the time he ascended into the heavens. All the instruction that he gave to his disciples, he gave to them through or by Holy Spirit. In other words, he did not depend upon his own wisdom. Jesus never said to the disciples, in Jesus' name, I'm teaching you this. Jesus never said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I implore you to do this. But it says he taught his disciples to go out, to minister, to be a witness, to be a testimony. We'll read more about it in just a moment. But he taught them and gave them instruction. Everybody say, through Holy Spirit. It is interesting to me today that in the big picture of what the church looks like around the world today, more so in the United States than probably anywhere else, but in the big picture of what the church looks like today, in the big picture, everybody say big picture, in the big picture of what the world looks like today, it looks like this. The church 
neglects the work of Holy Spirit and focuses its entirety on making sure that every sentence is either prefaced or it ends within Jesus' name. Track with me. Don't be offended by me. Remember what we talked? We, we talked about this. <laughs> Refer back to the notes that you took before I started preaching. When I preached the first message. But so much of the church today puts little or no emphasis, too much of the church, on Holy Spirit. And I'm taking this two places. Today we're talking about the evidence of Holy Spirit. The, everybody say the evidence. The evidence. So, so much of the church today puts emphasis on making sure that we put Jesus' name in front of or at the end. We bookend our statements within Jesus' name without really saying, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me to do? Good. Let, me, let me just qualify that for a minute. There's, I'm not taking away from the power of the name of Jesus Christ. But it is important that if I want to make sure that my car, or my, in my case, my truck, my F-150 that I love, I've had it five years now, I hope to have it five more. It is my responsibility to make sure my F-150, if it's going to run at its very best, and it's going to last the longest it can possibly last, if it's going to do that, I have to make sure that all the parts are right. I use the right oil, I recognize what's needed in it, and I, if I don't understand, I go to the manual, and I find out from the manual, how do I take care of this vehicle in the same way Holy Spirit has come to you and me? But in the big picture of the church world today, there's little emphasis on receiving from Holy Spirit and we go so quickly every time to Jesus. I'm not diminishing Jesus. That's what people are going to hear this morning. If you're hearing that, you're not hearing me. You're hearing out of your own offense. But instead of going to the one Jesus said, I'm going away, and I say this every week since I've been doing this series, I'm saying it again. He said, I, it is important to you. It is, in fact, it's not just important. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go, Holy Spirit will not come. But if I do go, I will send him to you, and he will teach you. He will encourage you. He will strengthen you. He will convict you. He will do all the things. He will lead you into all truth. He said, so I'm going to go away so that I'll do that. So I want you to begin to call on him. I want you to trust him. When I send him to you, I want you to receive from him. I want you to trust him. I want you to believe in him. I want you to talk to him. I want you to have conversation. I want you to have relationship with him. He has been the diminished part. Doesn't take away from the relationship I have with Jesus Christ. I don't have relationship with Holy Spirit if I don't have relationship with Jesus Christ. Did everybody hear that part? Everybody heard that, right? I believe that. But the fact that Jesus Christ could not give instruction to the disciples without Holy Spirit ought to tell us something. Jesus Christ, through the instruction of Holy Spirit, instructed the disciples. Because without Holy Spirit, He would have been incapable of doing so. Because Holy Spirit is that part of God that possesses the knowledge and the wisdom. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ was not just effective because he was the Son of God. He was effective because he was full of the Holy Spirit of God. He, it is impossible for him to have been God if Holy Spirit were removed because Holy Spirit is God. Am I making sense this morning? I have to say these things in order to talk about the evidence. So let's read the rest of this. So let's read verse 1 again. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. It was a lot. Until the day that he was taken up or ascended up to heaven after he gave his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So, as believers or Christians, everything that we say or do should flow through Holy Spirit. Born of Him. Inspired by Him. Everything we say or do should flow out of our relationship with Jesus Christ through Holy Spirit. I know Christ because I receive Holy Spirit. I know the Father because I communicate with Holy Spirit. We talked about that week, a week ago. When it doesn't, it's then that we get in trouble. We get confused. We're misled by our emotions, by our feelings, when it's not by Holy Spirit. See, Holy Spirit doesn't have emotion and He doesn't have feeling. Holy Spirit has truth. Holy Spirit leads us into truth, not into what feels good or bad. Holy Spirit guides us into understanding. He helps us overcome the things that we don't seem to be able to overcome on our own. He causes us to embrace wisdom that is beyond anything that we've studied in a book. How many in here have ever come to the knowledge of something without reading a book you came to the knowledge of something that later you read in a book? Everybody, if you, thought of it, you could, if you thought about it for a minute, every single person in here, you've done things before that all of a sudden, it's, a good example is every father in the room that put together a bicycle on Christmas morning before you ever read the, the instructions. You never read a single instruction or Christmas Eve. For those of you that were successful in putting it together, that came to you out of something in you that is beyond knowledge. You didn't read about how to do it, but that was born of you. See, when the Father created you, and I can't get into all this real deep right now, but when the Father created you at the beginning of time, he put, when He added flesh to your spirit, and He said, I need you to do this at that moment, He breathed life into you. And when He breathed into you, that life was full of the Holy Spirit. And He was capable of teaching you things that later you would attribute to books and to professors and everybody else, but Holy Spirit gave you the capacity to be able to receive from those people or things. So, let's move along. In the 20th century church, evidence of Holy Spirit seems to always refer to what? Say it again. Tongues. Tongues. When I say 
Are, when I ask somebody, or I ask you, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Where does your mind go? What do you think I'm asking? Say it louder, Kaylee. Do you speak in tongues? Because the 20th century church made us believe because of Azusa Street and some of these revivals that happened in days gone by, the Pentecostal movement and, and the charismatic movement and so on and so forth, made us believe that the only evidence of being filled with the Spirit was speaking in tongues. I believed that for a long time. I preached it. I used to preach it. I've been preaching for 30 years. In the first however many years, I was leading people into a lie. Not intentionally. But because I told them, the only evidence of speaking in tongues, is, or the only evidence of you being baptized in the Holy Ghost of God is that you pray in tongues. And if you don't pray in tongues, yada, yada, yada. I've preached it to this congregation back when we first started. Until he began to deal with me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit began to work in me. And you'll remember, some of you will remember the season when this happened. I'll refer to it in a moment. But there was something that began to change in me and began to, and began to uh, work in me when I began to reflect on the people that I knew were believers, yet had never spoken in tongues, yet I knew that they loved God with all their heart, their soul, and their mind, and I could see evidence in that. In fact, it was becoming more clear as Holy Spirit began to open my eyes and I would meet people in churches where I would minister or among the people that I fellowshiped with, and I would meet people that had so many manifestations or evidences of their relationship with God, but they never spoke in tongues. I had to come to a place where I had to reconcile that. Wait! They are not praying in tongues. It's not possible for them to have that kind of relationship with God. And Holy Spirit kept saying to me over and over, you better go back and read this again. Well, I don't want to do that because I might learn something and I don't want to learn what I've preached. I don't want to have to unlearn. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, you better go back and read that again. And you better go back and you better put it in context. And don't pull that single scripture out because you think somehow that single scripture justifies everything. He says, I want you to get the spirit of it, not the law of it. So he helped me and I came to the place where I realized that tongues is not the evidence. Tongues is a evidence. Say it with me. Tongues is not the evidence. It is a evidence. You'll remember that some years ago, I went to a church in Panama City, Florida. I won't say which one. I won't, all I'll say is I went to a church. But Holy Spirit had begun to deal with me about this thing, praying in tongues, and, and the need, the feel, the sense that I had that every believer should pray in tongues. Every believer should pray in tongues. And that was such a focus. Such a focus. If I met somebody that didn't pray in the Spirit, but they said they were a believer, I felt like, man, I had to right then try to... Get them filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't have the power to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. And Holy Spirit began to deal with me and he said, there's a place beyond tongues, you know. How many remember that message, that series? He said, there's a place beyond tongues, you know. And I said, there is. He said, there's a place beyond tongues I want you to read. I want you to dig in. I want you to see this. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying. And I began to listen to him and I began to consider the people that I knew that had evidences that I had never considered were evidence of Holy Spirit. 
And I began to think about the families that I knew that honored God in such a way that it was beyond many that I knew that prayed in tongues and they didn't honor God at all. I began to think about people that had such a strong work ethic. They worked for their employers if they owned the business. And they were believers. And then I would think about people that I knew that spoke in tongues and they were always late and always trying to leave early. When the list went on and on and on, and I began to think about this one that did this, but this one prayed in tongues, and there. And Holy Spirit said, There's a place beyond tongues. He said, Tongues isn't everything. He said, It is a evidence, but it is not the evidence. So I went to this church in Panama City, and I preached that message, and they pretty much ran me out of there. Because in that house, everything revolved around speaking everything. I came up in that place. The intention was good. The heart was right. But everything was about praying in tongues. Everything. You didn't know how to do something, pray in tongues. Didn't know where to go, pray in tongues. Didn't know what color your shirt needed to be, pray in tongues. And I, and I followed that rule for years. I'd pray in tongues. And I wasn't even sure what I was praying in tongues for. I was praying in tongues so I could pray in tongues. <laughs> I'm not diminishing praying in tongues. You understand that, right? Yeah. I'm just telling you it is, it is a evidence. It is not the evidence. So I stood up and I preached and I said, there's a place beyond tongues. Doesn't mean you don't pray in the Spirit. Doesn't mean you don't pray. In, and praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit, by the way, are not the same thing. Let's clear that up right now. Every time I pray, even when I pray in my understanding, I'm praying in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit means that I just, I'm letting Holy Spirit lead me. If I lay hands on you and I pray in English and you understand me, that doesn't mean I'm not praying in the Spirit. I'm praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues is an unknown language, unknown to you and me. Might not be unknown to the guy in Germany or girl. And I preached that message, and, and I was pretty much run out of there until a few years ago. And the pastor there, senior minister there, the apostle there, called me over, and he sat me down beside him, my wife and me. And he said to me, he said, I want you to know that that message that you preached those years ago in this house, I did not receive it then, but I want to know more. And we ended up having, before he passed, we ended up having several conversations about what it was, what that place was beyond Holy Spirit. It is these things that I want to speak to you about today, the evidences of Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. It's no more right for a Pentecostal to say to a Baptist, because you don't pray in tongues you really don't have relationship with Jesus Christ than it is for a Baptist to say to a Pentecostal, because you pray in tongues, you have no relationship with Jesus Christ. And put in there whatever denomination you might want to put in there. It's true that in the kingdom of God that most things that start and they have their beginning, they have their beginning in truth. 
They have their beginning in the supernatural. Even again, referring back to Azusa Street in California so many years ago, what it was, 1911 or 20 or whatever it was. In Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, way back then, in the move of Holy Spirit, and people praying in tongues that are standing out on the street, they're not even inside the building. That's supernatural. It's like an upper room experience. But Holy Spirit did not do that because He wanted to say, this is the most important thing. He did that because in that place and at that time, that was the thing that was going to cause people to, be, uh, to come to the place where they hungered for the things of God. It could be that at that time, in that season, that there were so many that were inquiring about the validity of praying in tongues that the Father thought that it would be fitting to go ahead and release a powerful move of Holy Spirit so that so many might witness it and come to the place where they were kingdom sons or daughters. Are you hearing me today? So they start in their truest form right the discipleship movement, the Jesus movement, whatever movement you want to call it. We, they always call it movements for whatever reason. But whatever all of these things are, and they come through the charismatic movement. Some are still living in that. But when it started in its, in its beginning, it started right. It's, it's like these, these revivals that occurred, the one in Pensacola, the one in, the one in Toronto, the Tor- they call it the Toronto Blessing. These revivals that, that kick off and they, they sweep and they're amazing and they're phenomenal and thousands of people come to Christ. And it's a move, and it's initial movement, it's a move, it's, it's, it's empowered by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit of God. But then what happens in men's minds, or women's minds, or whoever the leader, in leadership's minds, the leadership says, if it's this good, we can't let it die. So let's start a school, let's start a class, let's start a whatever. Let's write books about this so that we can keep teaching it from generation to generation, all the while impeding the next generation from experiencing the next thing that God wants to do that's important to them in their time, in their moment. Because the previous generation that had an amazing Toronto revival or an amazing Pensacola revival or an amazing Azusa Street meeting is saying to the next generation, if you really want to know God, you've got to do exactly what we did in the, in the way that we did it. And the whole time Holy Spirit is saying, you're missing it. I did that for you because that's what you needed. But this generation needs something else. If I try to tell the millennial generations to live the way that I lived, I'm in trouble. I had a meeting with them on Thursday night. It was awesome. But if I try to tell them to live exactly like I did and and believe God exactly the way I believe God and for exactly the same things I believed God for, I never believed God for a cell phone. There was no such thing. My best hope at my eighth birthday party was for a, 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 a record player, one of those that was a little blue box, and I got it for my eighth birthday. I still remember it. That was my best hope, if I could just get a record player. Right? But see, if I tell you to believe for the things that I believe for when, my, when I was your age, you're going to miss out on every opportunity that he has for you today. He wants you to see what I never saw. So that you can take this generation to a place I have never been. But I'll go if you'll show me the way. But 
you're not going to show me the way because you keep sticking around one evidence and not allowing him to perfect some other evidence. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? I need you to have the kind of faith for things that I didn't even know were possible. But you now know that they're possible, but I'm too old for some of it. Yes, I am. Don't lie against the truth. I'm not jumping out of an airplane. I'm not going to be a paratrooper. Or I'm not going to be a whatever. I'm not going to start another, well, that one I might do. But I need you to believe for evidences and hear Holy Spirit for the things that are present and pertinent to you, to this season and this time. And then I'm going to enjoy it. You're going to figure out how to make the cake, and I'm going to show you how to eat the cake. Make sure it's carrot cake, or vegetable cake, I call it. When I call it vegetable cake, I feel better about eating it. So let's talk about this. So the evidences. So the evidences. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting with verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. By whomever, however, whatever. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by Holy Spirit. The only way it's going to happen. Now, people will say that. They might say it, and somebody might say, oh, I just heard somebody the other day say Jesus is Lord, and they weren't. I can tell you they're not anywhere near filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about in truth. People will say it in vain, but nobody will say it in truth without Holy Spirit. The only way you know Jesus is Lord is if you're full of Holy Spirit. No man comes to the Father except Holy Spirit draw him. See, Holy Spirit is the one that causes him to become real to us. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are varieties of service. It's the same Lord. There are varieties of activities. It's the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation. To each is given the evidence of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish or discern. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually... As he wills. Now, to assume, which is dangerous, but to assume that these nine gifts are the entire list of evidences is to belittle Holy Spirit to being less than God. If these are the only nine things Holy Spirit is capable of, we just made him puny. That is why, well, first of all, we need to understand he's so much more capable than that, but that is why we need to understand the difference between gifts and evidence. Gifts are what the Father gave us. And the gifts he gave us are to enable us. Say that with me. The gifts that God gave us are to enable us. 
I'm not trying, let me say this, there is no way on any platform I, I am interested in any way raising up or equipping or teaching a religious body of believers. I'm not interested in religion. I'm interested in being in every part of the world and making a difference because of the way I live my life. And it doesn't happen when I look like everybody else living it, living theirs. So back up again. Gifts are what He gives us to enable us and to equip us. These nine gifts specifically are important. Gifts are an evidence. That's true. But not all evidence is a gift. Let me say it again. These gifts, these nine gifts that Holy Spirit gave us, that the Father gave us, they are evidence of the presence of Holy Spirit. But not all evidence of Holy Spirit is a gift. Let me explain. Being sweet to my wife is not a gift. See, a gift is something that is given, requires no, it requires nothing on my part. You don't do anything to be, to exercise the gift of discernment. You can't work it, you can't manipulate it, you don't do anything to speak in tongues. You don't work it. You don't manipulate it. You don't say, if I read this book, I'll speak in tongues. If I listen to this preacher, I'll speak in tongues. You don't interpret tongues. You don't do miracles because you read the right book. I know there's a lot of people out there writing books how to do miracles in the 21st century church. They're out there. It's words. They're making a buck off your naivety. But I have to, to demonstrate evidence that I love my wife requires effort on my part. So when I married her, and I went to her. See, it was a word from Holy Spirit. When I saw my wife for the first time and I said, man. Whew. God, you did good. I'm trying to make up for what happened earlier, okay? I'm working it. I said, in fact, I said, you did really good. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but when she agreed to marry me, I told her the first night I met her, you're going to be my wife. This is something, this is a word Holy Spirit put in me. You're going to be my wife. And she said, no, I'm seeing somebody. There's more to the story, but I'm just giving you the quick story. And I said, doesn't matter, that will change. And it did. But then it's amazing. 
Let me show you the difference between a gift and evidence. I've shared this before. My wife doesn't like when I share this, but today I win. But I had anger issues, a lot of anger. I was mad at everybody, everybody. I was angry at everybody. Everything that I'd ever done wrong, it was somebody else's fault. All my challenges and struggles and debt and whatever else I was in, it was because no one taught me. Everybody wrapped their arms around me and loved me. No one ever told me the truth. So I was angry. I was mad. But see, Holy Spirit gave me a gift. And I discern on that night, that's a gift. I discern, He created her for me and me for her. Didn't make sense in the mind, but I knew it. He created her for me, me for her, and I told her so. I never even questioned whether or not she would agree or disagree. It was irrelevant to me. So when she disagreed, I said, So? That'll change. And she got up and she left. But you know what? It didn't change my heart. I got up. I went about my business. I went out with a few other girls. I knew in time when she dumped the rascal she was with, it would work out. Because I discerned something. But then we got married. So let me show you the difference between gift and evidence. See, the gift of discernment told me exactly what was allotted for me, what, who was created for me, who I was going to be joined to for the rest of my life, become one with. None other, just her. He said, this is the one. See, that was a gift. That was evidence of Holy Spirit. Without Holy Spirit, I would have never known that. But then we got married. We get home from our honeymoon. First week after we get married, I throw a glass at her head and shatters against the wall because she made me mad about something. She was ready to leave me. We've been home from our honeymoon a week. Went to Hawaii. She could at least let me throw one glass. No, I'm just kidding. That was terrible. Take that back. That was not Holy Spirit. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's not Holy Spirit. So something happened, and, and, I, and I was mad. Whether she did it, somebody else, I don't even know. I don't even remember what it was. Mostly. Some part of it I do. But I grabbed that glass on that counter and I slung that glass and with everything in me, I wanted to hit her right between the eyes. I did. But I missed. I'm glad. But I was enraged beyond, you've never seen me that way. You'll never see me that way. But I was enraged. That thing hit the wall and went in a thousand pieces all over that room. And she, and then I walked out because I was afraid of what I would do now. I was so enraged. I knew me. And I knew what I was capable of. And I grabbed my keys and I got in that car and I drove away from that apartment as fast as I could because I was so enraged. And I left my wife sitting there trying to figure out what just happened. My new wife sitting there, what just happened? And I come back, she's packing her bags and yada, yada, you know the rest of the story. Let me tell you the difference between, again, the gift and evidence. The gift of discernment that I knew she would be my wife, that was a gift. That was something the Holy Spirit gave me. But evidence requires effort on my part. Yeah. 
See, when I came back and she was packing her bags, I said, where are you going? She said, I'm going home. I said, you are home. She said, no, I'm not. I'm going home my mom in Tampa, Florida. We were in Cleveland, Tennessee. I said, did you talk to your mom? She said, I did. I said, get your mom on the phone. She got her mom on the phone, and I said, Linda, I said, this is Steve. I said, and Kim was on the other phone while I'm on the one downstairs. She was on the one upstairs. And I said, Linda, this is Steve. I said, Kim told me you told her to go home. She said, yeah, I just think that would be the best thing, Steve. That's the safest thing to do. I said, well, I'm going to say this as nice as I possibly can. You're no longer her mother. She's no longer your daughter. She's my wife, and she is home. And if you believe in this marriage, you're going to tell her so. And there was a long silence. But let me tell you about the evidence of Holy Spirit and Linda Reichert. After that long silence and she let Holy Spirit, she was, oh, no doubt she was mad at me. Oh, there's, there's a lot of things she wanted to say. I'll never know what they were. I'm glad she came to love me. But she said to Kim, not to me, she said, honey, Steve's right. You are home and you are not welcome here. Saved our marriage. Saved our marriage. But then something happened because I knew I, w I had Holy Spirit and the gift of discernment was present in me, still is to this day. I, can st I still discern. I can discern sharply. But I lacked the evidence of Holy Spirit in other areas of my life. Gift, the gifts are evidence, but the evidence isn't a gift. It's, you don't, a gift isn't something you have to put effort towards. Evidence. Evidence is something you have to put effort towards. And I realized that day, and I promised my wife, I promise you, I'm going to be free of this. And I begin to ask Holy Spirit, help me. I don't want to be delivered. Listen, let me, let me tell you something today. Don't ask Holy Spirit to help you control those things that lead to death. And he told me, don't ask me to help you control that rage and that anger that's in you. Ask me to deliver you from that anger and that rage. If all you do is control it, the day will come that the right thing will rise up and that rage will reappear. But if you are delivered from it, there's nothing left for the enemy to get his hands in and draw it back out. So I had to apply effort until I could show evidence to her and to her mother and to her stepfather and to her brother, Jimmy, that I could be trusted again, that she, wasn't, that she was safe with me, not unsafe. So I had to apply effort and I had to begin to trust Holy Spirit and the, the evidence in me was that work that suddenly I began to change and the evidence is still present today and, and I remember the day I get angry today but I'm never enraged and I remember the day that I literally felt delivered from that rage that literally consumed me it consumed me But the evidence came because I applied effort. See, when Holy Spirit comes, when you receive Jesus Christ, first of all, Holy Spirit leads you to Christ. He leads you to the opportunity to receive Christ. When you receive Christ, Holy Spirit then embodies you. He 
resides in you. He takes up residence because he is our teacher. And scripture says, Jesus said, he will lead you, he will guide you into all truth. In fact, Jesus said, everything I know about my daddy, he will teach you. In other words, whatever I know, you can know. But you're only going to know what you need to know in that given moment. And the evidences will appear. So, back to that church in Panama City when I was telling them there's a place beyond it. I said, I'm more interested in the man. I'm more interested in the woman. I am moved more by the husband that will honor his wife on the good day and the bad day. That is a greater evidence of Holy Spirit than praying in tongues. How much one discerns the seasons and the times is less important to me than whether or not you are on time at your job. See, one of the problems that if you're alive today and you've ever given anyone a gift, one of the problems with giving gifts that we all recognize, gifts are given and not always appreciated. Especially if you give the gift over and over. If there was nothing, no skin in the game from the person receiving the gift, it easily goes unthankful. That person can become unthankful. Not necessarily will, but can. It can easily go unappreciated because it's a gift. A gift is not given because, oh, you worked hard, you did this, you did that. Gifts are given because they're free. If they, if they weren't given freely, it's not really a gift. And a reward and a gift are not the same. I can't get into that today. I reward someone for good behavior, that's a reward. I don't give someone a gift for good behavior. I give them a gift because it's undeserved, it's unearned. No effort was applied. That's a gift. And when the Father gave us gifts and He released those gifts to us, see, those things were important, those things are important, those things are powerful, those things enable us to do things that we would not be able to do in our Adam nature. But the evidences that come after that, Hannah, are so much greater than the gift when I look at the lives that are in this room, and most of you I know, some of you I don't know, but when I look at the lives that are gathered in this room and I think about the evidences that are in you, I'm amazed because, see, your evidence, some of you that I see evidence in, I've never heard you pray in tongues. And yet you are so full, obviously, of Holy Spirit because of the way you live your life. You live it with honor and you live it with integrity. You live it by not trying to find a way to break the rules, but to live within the rules, live within Caesar's law while at the same time honoring God. Does anybody hear me here this morning? So the evidences of Holy Spirit are not the same as the gifts of Holy Spirit. The evidence is something that you say to Holy Spirit. You inquire, you say, Holy Spirit, help me be a better husband. Holy Spirit, help me be a better wife. And see, here's the cool thing. Evidences come because of the gifts. 
So when I say to Holy Spirit and I inquire of Holy Spirit, and I say, Holy Spirit, help me to be a better husband. What does he do? He gives me the gift of discernment so that I can discern what does she need this day. But the evidence isn't found in the gift. The evidence is found in the effort that I apply. The truth that I received from the gift. Do you hear me this morning? So when someone comes and they look at you, and I'm going to close with this. But when someone comes and they look at you and they ask you, are you full of Holy Spirit? Most people that ask you that question are asking you that question because of our American nature. Most people are asking that question because what they mean is, do you pray in tongues? So the next time someone asks you, are you full of the Spirit, ask them. Do you mean, am I full of the Spirit, or do I pray in tongues? If you mean, do I pray in tongues, maybe I have, maybe I haven't, maybe I did this morning. I do pray in tongues. But I pray in tongues a lot less today than I did even five years ago. Because Scripture says that tongues leads us to a place of maturity. And if I find that I have to pray in tongues all of the time, it's a pretty good indicator that I'm not being matured very well. At some point, I have to believe that I'm learning more than I once knew. But it's a gift. So I want to say to everybody in this room, and you say, and you felt condemnation, maybe even by me in the years past. But you felt condemned because you thought, man, I... You know, he talks about praying in tongues. Sometimes they pray in tongues. I don't pray in tongues. I've never prayed in tongues, and I feel so guilty. I feel like less of a believer. I want to free you from that today. You can never be judged by gifts that are given, but you can be judged by the evidences. We are not judged by our gifts. We are judged by our evidence. Do you hear me today? So I want to set you free this morning by word and spirit. I want to help you today to come to the place where you desire evidence and that you seek Holy Spirit for evidences in your life so that when people look at you, they can say, Christian, I see this in you. How is it that a young man, as young as you are, a teenager, can love God so much? That's evidence. How is it that this married couple, how is it that this wife can treat that husband and just honor him and, and love him almost? She serves him, he serves her. It's just almost unreal. That's an evidence. See, the evidence is there because Holy Spirit teaches us how to do what we could not do on our own. See, if I did not have Holy Spirit, I would treat my wife the way I had seen everyone else treat a wife. That was in my realm of influence or my circle of influence, whether it be my own father, whether it be my family, whether it be my friends, my neighbors, whoever might be in my circle of influence, if I did not have Holy Spirit, I would treat her like I had seen others treat her. However, what happens? See, that's just evidence that I know people that do that. But what happens when I say, Holy Spirit, I want to treat my wife like you want me to treat my wife? 
How would you do it? And he will tell me things, teach me things to do that honor her in a way that become evidence that he exists and dwells in me. Evidence of Holy Spirit is whether or not I have the capacity to forgive. Do I have the capacity to forgive? Evidence of Holy Spirit is whether or not I have the capacity to repent. Do I have the capacity to repent? Evidence of Holy Spirit is whether or not I have the capacity to serve. To honor. To be faithful. To be on time. See, the problem with what I'm preaching today and the problem with what I'm saying today is these evidence that I'm talking about are so natural looking and yet they're so spiritual in context. It's like, oh, that's just practical stuff. That's just, you know, yada, yada. I'm tell- everything about the kingdom of God is practical. If we remove practicality from the kingdom of God, we are nothing more than a puff of air that comes and goes and influences and affects no one. But if there is tangible evidence of the work of God by Holy Spirit, or like Jesus said, or like Luke said about Jesus, through Holy Spirit, if there is tangible evidence of the presence of Holy Spirit in my life, becomes a demonstration. So I'm asking you today to ask Holy Spirit.